You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fansided Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves are in Indiana to take on the Pacers, the shorthanded, battered and bruised Pacers who just lost to the Bulls on Tuesday night and suffered another injury to a key player. So we'll talk about that preview here later in the show. We'll actually close the show with that today. I want to hit a couple notes here off the top, including ESPN's new 25 under 25 list that they release annually. There is, of course, one Timberwolves player, a couple that have aged out of the list. But I want to talk about that list as a whole and obviously um, the the ranking of the one Timberwolves player who did make the list. And, and I guess I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying it's Anthony Edwards. Although the list, the individual analyst list that he was on versus wasn't on, and then his overall ranking was still a little bit surprising to me. So I want to talk through that here first and uh, then take a, just a quick look at, at the Wolves so far under Chris Finch. And yes, it's early. Obviously, yes, there's been a ton of injuries. Chris Finch has yet to coach D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Malik Beasley together. Not that Ryan Saunders had much of a chance to do that either. But we're 20 games into the Chris Finch era. The the winning percentage is much better than it was under Ryan Saunders. And of course, there's a few factors that play into that that I'll touch on. But let's just take a look at offensive rating, defensive rating, overall record. What you know, how competitive uh, you know net rating. How competitive have the Wolves been with Chris Finch at the helm versus what they were like in the first? 31 games of the season under Ryan Saunders. So that'll be a middle segment here today. Then we'll also cover Wolves Pacers, the preview here to cap off the show, get you ready for this evening's game. Before we get to all that, though, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can find Locked on Wolves wherever you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's start with the NBA's best 25 under 25, according to ESPN. This is an ESPN Plus article, so you need ESPN Plus or ESPN Insider in order to access it. Um, So I'm not going to read much of this verbatim, but it's basically, this is a yearly list, an annual list that ESPN's analysts and experts do. This year, the list was compiled by Bobby Marks, of course, the former uh, New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets front office executive, Kevin Pelton, um, who is... uh, the foremost ESPN analytically, I should say analytically minded ESPN analyst. And and I really like Kevin Pelton. I think he does a great job. And then also Mike Schmitz, who's kind of the prospect guru and uh, was, was on all the NBA, the draft night coverage this year, along with Jay Billis and everybody else. But Mike Schmitz is, is the prospect guy. So the three of them together rank their top 25 players under 25. This is key based on future potential, Right based on future potential. So not how good they are today necessarily, but based on future potential. So they each rank 25 players, 25 and under. Let's start by noting that Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell just aged off of this list. They were both on the list last year. And um, let's see, I'm going to pull up exactly where they ranked. Towns was fifth on last year's list. So this is behind Luka Doncic. Again, this is future potential. Last year's list, Luka was number one. Zion Williamson was two. Jason Tatum, three. Ben Simmons, four. 
and Towns was fifth on last year's ranking. He was number four the year prior. So he just kind of hung around that four or five mark the last couple of years. Um, D'Angelo Russell was number 14 on, on last year's list. And he just turned 25. And so he just, he just aged out of this list as well. So the Wolves had two guys on last year's list and last year's one published March 4th. So right before the season was halted due to the pandemic. And so this was of course, very shortly after the Timberwolves acquired Russell and right after Towns got hurt. Um, but Russell was on the Wolves at that time. So, uh, interesting to look back at that list and see where those guys ranked. Now, neither of them are eligible to be on this year's list. So Doncic again is number one, understandable. Um, he's an all-star starter, fantastic player. There's been some disappointing moments this year, but he's already started in two all-star games. He's already all NBA or he will all be all be all NBA a second time. Um, and, and you know, I mean, offensively, he's been unbelievable this year. So makes sense that he's number one. Zion Williamson is still number two, a little bit of a surprise to me. LaMelo ball is number three on this list. And understanding, and this is noted here, that he's posting what they call historic numbers for a 19-year-old, which which is true, but still, to put him number three based on future potential ahead of Donovan Mitchell, who's about to turn 25 and age off the list, ahead of Jason Tatum, um, you know, I'd probably put him ahead of De'Aaron Fox, who's number six on this list, ahead of Ben Simmons, who's just about to turn 25, but is outside of the top five for the first time in three years on this list. I think three is a little high for LaMelo Ball. And this is coming from someone who had him number one. I had him number one on my big board. And if you're a regular listener to the pod, listener to the podcast, or if I guess a regular listener as of six months ago, when we were talking draft seemingly every day, I had ball number one for quite some time on my big board. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think three seems a little bit high. The one Timberwolves player who is on this list, of course, is Anthony Edwards. So this list is an average of the three of Marks, Pelton, and uh, and Schmitz, the average of their list, has Anthony Edwards clocking in at number 19 out of 25 players under age 25. This is, again, this is future potential. So I'm not going to le- list all 18 names ahead of him, but a couple of interesting ones. Mikel Bridges is ahead of Anthony Edwards on this list. Again, future potential. Mikel Bridges is going to turn 25 this offseason. I mean, he's almost six years older than Anthony Edwards, so it's really hard for me to see how his future potential is still higher than Anthony Edwards. So that, that doesn't make sense to me. Demonis Sabonis does make, I mean, that's fine. He's really good now, but still, he's about to turn 25 as well. I don't know about the future potential thing. Um, and the other thing is like, you can't argue that today LaMelo Ball is better than say Demonis Sabonis. So clearly as the list states, it's supposed to be about future potential, but then you go ahead and you rank Demonis Sabonis 18 and LaMelo Ball three. Well, that makes sense because- Sabonis is better than Ball today, but if we're talking about future potential, then that ranking is fine. But then how is Anthony Edwards behind Mikel Bridges? How's Anthony Edwards behind, um, I mean, honestly, behind John Moran? I mean, John Moran's good. He's obviously really good. He won Rookie of the Year just last year. But is he really four spots better than Anthony Edwards in terms of future potential? What about, um, it, it's actually hard to argue with too, with too many of these, but that's one of them. Mikel Bridges is probably the one that I had the biggest gripe with. De'Aaron Fox is a little bit aggressive as well. Um, I mean, he's been really good this year. He's averaging 24 and seven and you know, he, he finally looks comfortable at the pro level, but he needs to be able to shoot the three a little better. He's not a good defender, which are of course critiques of Anthony Edwards as well. But again, we're talking future potential. Are these guys really, do they have higher ceilings? To me, that's, that's the same thing as saying higher ceiling. Are their ceilings really higher than Anthony Edwards? 
I'm fairly hard on Anthony Edwards. And I, I'm the first one to raise my hand and say, hey, look, in terms of, I just said this the other day, in terms of on-court impact this year, he has not been a plus player. He just hasn't been by any stretch, by any metric. His offensive game is now finally starting to get to respectable levels in terms of efficiency, creating for others because he's starting to draw more fouls. His shot selection is getting a little bit better. He's been terrible defensively. Now, the anticipation lately, the steals, jumping, passing lanes, that's been great. He's been able to do that without really being any worse defensively. So he's still been bad defensively, but added some steals on top of it, which is nice. And the offensive game's improving a little, but still by any advanced metric you can pull, uh, just just look at his shooting percentages, right? Um, he hasn't been a plus player. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a massive ceiling and that the glimpses we've seen, even the prolonged glimpses, the 42 point game against Phoenix, some of these games where he's had multiple just breathtaking drives to the basket, those highs are are high enough that you have to sit here and say, okay, he's a top top 10, maybe top 12 or 14 player under 25 league-wide in terms of future potential. To put him all the way down at 19 is, is kind of crazy. And maybe the most insane thing about this is that, remember, there's three guys who are doing these rankings. It's Pelton, it's Bobby Marks, it's Mike Schmitz. Bobby Marks, the former executive for the New Jersey Nets, on his individual list, which is also listed here, he's got Anthony Edwards at number 21. Mike Schmitz has him at number 16. And I should also mention Schmitz did the write-up. They alternated who did the write-ups for the, the main story. And his write-up in Anthony Edwards, within that, he Schmitz says he still sees Anthony Edwards as a, quote, future all-star so long as he continues chipping away at some of his shortcomings, which basically is efficiency and decision-making slash shot selection and especially defensive consistency. So that's Schmitz's write-up, and he's got him at 16, which is the highest. Kevin Pelton doesn't have him in his top 25. And and again, I get it. Pelton's a, an analytics guy. I, I, you know, completely understand that. But that the argument isn't top 25 players today a, under age 25. It's future potential. You cannot sit here and tell me that the future potential of Mikel Bridges, the future potential of... Um, I don't know, even Emmanuel quickly has been good this year, but like, is he, does he really have more future potential than Anthony Edwards? If that's and, and now to be fair to, to Pelton, there's no real definition of that, at least in, in this article. And I'm sure that they had the discussion about what, how they're quantifying future potential. Uh, because yeah, maybe the best case, best realized version of Anthony Edwards, that might be like a, a 0.01% outcome, and maybe it's the most likely high ceiling outcome or however you want to phrase it. But still, I, I think um, I think it's a miss by Pelton to not have him on the list. And I really like, he's got Lonzo Ball at 20. I, I just don't understand how Lonzo Ball's future potential is higher than that of Anthony Edwards. Um, but, you know, if you're talking top 25 players now under 25, obviously he's not on that list. He's not close, but that's not the conversation here. So I think it's a big miss for him to be down at 19 and for Pelton to leave him off entirely. But go check that out at ESPN. It's it's an interesting read. It's fun to see you know who they have ranked where regardless. Um, again, that's an ESPN Plus subscription required article over there. Um, and next, what I want to do is talk about Chris Finch's tenure so far. Look at the Wolves record and where they stand offensive, defense, defensive rating and net rating wise thus far this season. Um, first, though, we got to talk about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week and this one was was fairly easy. The Wolves have actually gone two and two over the past seven or eight days or so, roughly week. And uh, their best player has been the best player on the floor for the majority of those minutes, majority of those games, best player in either team. And that's Carl Anthony Towns. 
Carl Anthony Towns has been fantastic in the past week. He's really shown the joy, the happiness and enjoyment that uh, we would expect from Carl Anthony Towns is he's finally healthy. His team's playing well. He's playing for um, for an offensive minded coach who's running everything through him. And that happiness and enjoyment of the game is coming out through Towns game over the past week. Through the last four games, Towns has averaged 27 and a half points, 15 rebounds, and four and a half assists with only one and a half turnovers per game. He's also shot free throws at an at a remarkable rate. He's only missed one free throw in the last week on uh, 28 attempts. So he's 27 of 28 in the past week. That's 96.4%. His three-point and field goal percentages are a little bit lower, but that's simply because his usage rate is way up and uh, the Wolves are winning. And, and that's what matters, right? And Carl Anthony Towns is at the focal point of all of that. Again, it's the happiness, it's the enjoyment, it's the joy. And the Timberwolves play better when Towns plays with enjoyment, or I should say plays with joy and is enjoying himself is probably a better way to say that. And as Michelob Ultra reminds you, it's only worth it if you enjoy it, as Carl Anthony Towns clearly is right now. Joy creates success. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? Carl Anthony Towns is this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk Chris Finch's tenure thus far. Finch took over the Timberwolves um, just a little before the All-Star break. This was, remember, it was after the game at the Knicks. The Wolves lost at Madison Square Garden, and Ryan Saunders was fired after the game. This was uh, February 21st. Finch had a, you know, a blowout loss at Milwaukee literally the next night after he was hired. He was hired on a Monday. They lost to Milwaukee on a Tuesday. They had a tough overtime loss to the Bulls, and then were blown out by the Wizards, blown out by the Suns, blown out by the Hornets all before the All-Star break. And it was really more of the same. But since the All-Star break, so he went 0-5 leading into the All-Star break. Since then, the Timberwolves have gone 6-19, and excuse me, 6-9 and since the All-Star break. So in total in 20 games, Finch is 6-14, and 6-9 and since the All-Star break. They haven't, still haven't won consecutive games. They've, in fact, recently had this pattern of winning one, losing two, winning one, losing two, winning one. Um, and maybe not so coincidentally, their next two games at Indiana and at Boston very easily could be losses before they get to play the Bulls at home. Maybe that's a win and the pattern continues. Um, but things have certainly stabilized. There haven't been blowout losses. I mean, there's been, dis- you know, the Memphis one on uh, last Friday night was disappointing, borderline blowout. And there were a couple before Beasley came back and obviously before Russell came back um, as he just did the other night. But like the uh, the second game against Houston was really disappointing in Beasley's first game back. There was the blowout loss to Dallas. But still, of the nine losses, you're talking two or three that you would say were really ugly losses. They've been in every other game. Um, and that is obviously a step in the right direction as we're still not looking at a, at a full-strength roster. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin was gone for a while. Josh Okogie missed five games in a row since the All-Star break. Um, Malik Beasley came back and wasn't himself for three of the four games he played. And now he's out. I understand every team's got excuses. We'll talk about the Pacers next segment and they're in a really tough spot injury wise, but still Finch going six and nine with the team that he has. And with the lack of success that his predecessor had this season with also some extenuating circumstances, um, you know, it, it has to be, um, maybe not commended because they're still six and nine, but we have to recognize that the Timberwolves have been much better over the past few weeks than they were prior to the all-star break since Finch took over the team. 
Uh, Minnesota is, or I'm sorry, since the All-Star break, so not including the five consecutive losses pre-All-Star break, which remember, Finch didn't really have any true practices, just a couple of shoot-arounds with his team. After the All-Star break, they, I think, only had one, actually, because of some of the the rules related to coming out of All-Star break with COVID testing, et cetera. But he actually did get to have some practice time or at least some in-facility time with his team. Minnesota in the 6-9 and nine stretch is 14th in offensive rating. And uh, the net rating is negative 3.7, which again is not good, but it's 22nd in the league. On the season, they're 28th. They still have the league's worst record, although they're, they're likely going to be passed by Houston or I guess pass Houston. Um, so the 22nd best net rating over the past 15 games, it's not awful, right? I mean, we kind of figured the Wolves would be a middle of the pack, maybe a play-in team, which would put them in the 17 to to. 19 range, right? 17 to 20 in terms of net rating. If you're going to apply it, Hey, there's 20, 20 playoff teams, including playing games. So being 22nd actually isn't that much worse than what we expected at the start of the season. Um, I understand that's not apples to apples, but that rough comparison I think is, is a, is some pretty valuable context. So what has changed? Well, I talked a lot about this actually on the post game pod that posted on Monday from, from the, uh, the weekend win, or I'm sorry, that posted Tuesday from Monday night's victory. And the Wolves are just doing more things offensively. There's more wrinkles to the sets that they're running. Towns is being asked to do more things. It's not just pick and roll. It's pick and rolls out of horn sets. It's more off ball action. It's, it's running. It's uh, obviously more cutting action, more consistent cutting, scheduled cutting, I think is, is probably a better way to say it. It's Towns getting touches in the mid post. Um, it's Towns getting touches in the low post. Things that Saunders had a, had a, had a vast playbook and there were things that he was good at. And he obviously was an offensive minded coach, but the Finch offense is, is just better suited for towns. And, and not that Saunders only ran pick and roll, but that was kind of like the default. And I mentioned this the other day, but the D'Angelo Russell, Ryan Saunders, you know, not quite seen eye to eye offensively. Remember there was that game when Russell used like seven of eight possessions and Edwards didn't touch the ball at all in the half court in a game that they lost in the fourth quarter that I forget which game it was Memphis or somebody they were up on ended up losing and uh, Edwards wasn't part of the offense. So that was before he really started to break out. But still, that was an example of either Russell not doing what Saunders wanted and Saunders not fixing it or Saunders letting Russell do what he wanted or Saunders saying, hey, D'Lo, go do your thing. That sort of a thing hasn't happened under Chris Finch. Now, he also hasn't coached D'Angelo Russell, so we'll see. But there's at least been some rhyme slash reason to the Timberwolves offense. There's been some more organization. And then some of the smaller things that are smaller, you know, now talking about them, but massive in the moment, timeout usage, calling timeouts before his team makes a bad turnover or takes a bad shot. Uh, some of those things that Finch has been much better at than what we saw from Ryan Saunders. And um, that's made a difference, right? I mean, late game clock management rotations have been, have been, they make it have made more sense. They've been a little more all over the place, but that's because Chris Finch is still trying to figure out what he has on his roster moving forward and what the best mixing and matching is going to be. And I think he's actually done a great job with the rotation overall. So um, at any rate, I think it's really interesting to just kind of look at these 20 games and specifically the 15 post all-star break. Now, of course the Wolves schedule doesn't, it's not exactly easy upcoming at Indiana at Boston home games for Chicago, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, at the Clippers. I mean, that's a murderer's row, basically. Um, and then you get a couple of Kings games before you have the Jazz. And and so the rest of the season is is somewhat of a of a challenge. I mean, they're they're I think it's a top ten hardest schedule uh league wide in terms of strength of schedule the rest of the way. But this could be kind of the right mix of like, hey, 
Well, I mean, I guess I guess once you're out of that top three, it doesn't matter. The Wolves lose their pick anyway to Golden State. But to get some momentum going towards next year, you know, if they can go over these final, you know, uh, six weeks or so, if the Wolves can be roughly 500, then I think they'll feel pretty good about their new coach. They'll feel pretty good about their Towns-Russell duo. We won't get to see Malik Beasley maybe at all, maybe the tail end of the season in mid-May. But at least we'll get a sense for Russell and Towns together. We'll get a sense for Russell and Towns plus Anthony Edwards in Chris Finch's system. And we'll see if that net rating keeps climbing. And if the offensive rating keeps climbing for the Wolves, you know, post all-star break, since they've been able to get practice time together and and get used to Chris Finch's system. But um, those are all things we'll have to keep an eye on here moving forward. Okay. Um, Let's talk about Wolves Pacers. This is a, a certainly a winnable game for the Timberwolves on Wednesday night, given the Pacers injury issue. So I want to cover all that. So everybody's caught up to speed on, on what to expect in this game, what the Pacers injury situation looks like. First though, let's talk about built bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. I've been talking about them now for well over a year. It tastes literally exactly like a candy bar. I've ordered, I've used the lockdown promo code at this point, probably countless times. Um, there's 18 amazing flavors. And again, these are protein bars that taste like candy bars. My favorite new flavor is Cherry Barcia, also cookies and cream and caramel brownie. Those are all new flavors actually, but Cherry Barcia, in my opinion, is underrated. Um, Every single bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew, and they're perfect if you're health conscious, if you're trying to lose weight, maybe just maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat that tastes just like a candy bar. Every single built Bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-in-fiber, perfect if you're on a keto diet. Right now, you can go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED20. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED20 for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and now baseball is as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. One more reminder before we get to Wolves Pacers, and that's about locked on NBA draft. With March Madness recently completed, um, it's it's still the perfect time to make sure that you're all read up on Timberwolves prospects. We're going to start looking at the draft here on the show very shortly. You can get more analysis on all the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, Wolves Pacers. So the Indiana Pacers at the moment are, um, they had a great start to the season, but their record currently stands at, let me make sure I got the right number here, uh, 22 and 26. They are ninth in the Eastern Conference, should still make the playoffs. Of course, they're right now in that playing game range. They started the season six and two. They were also eight and four, and uh, they were still 11 and seven at, you know, getting close to that quarter, or yeah, about the quarter mark. And then they had a really rough kind of close to January throughout February, and injuries have really caught up with them. Of course, they made that big trade. They sent out Victor Oladipo. They brought in, um, they brought in Karis Levert, who had the the uh, the tumor, the mass removed from his. I think it was his kidney, which is obviously really scary. And of course, he's back and playing, and and that's awesome to see. Um, 
but they've had tons of other injuries. I mean, look at this team now. And I mean, TJ Warren's out, I believe for the season. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon isn't going to play. Damana Sabonis likely won't play Wednesday against the Timberwolves. Jeremy Lamb was questionable for Tuesday's game against the Bulls, but played through a sprained toe. And then Miles Turner in the third quarter of their loss to the Bulls, uh, a double-digit loss to the Bulls on Tuesday, sprained his ankle and didn't come back. It seems unlikely he'd play 24 hours later in Minnesota. And uh, the Pacers lost by 16 to the Bulls, who are a game now only a game behind them in the Eastern Conference standings. So the Pacers are in a really tough spot because they obviously need to be, continue being competitive. They thought they'd be better than they would than they have been. And now you're looking at a bunch of guys getting minutes who weren't supposed to get minutes for a team that's trying to make the playoffs. Um, so Karis Levert's the guy you got to look at. Uh, if Miles Turner plays, obviously him too. But Karis Levert is is the one guy who can do legitimate damage and is a solid defender. Obviously, Doug McDermott's still there. Justin Holiday's a good player. Um, we can look at the first time these two teams played, which was mid-February, February 17th to be exact. This was the third to last game of the Ryan Saunders era, shortly after the Wolves beat the Raptors in the middle of that long stretch where Minnesota just kept failing to execute at the end of games. They actually entered the or they entered the fourth quarter of this game against the Pacers with a six point lead. The Pacers outscored the Wolves by six in the fourth, sent the game to overtime. Tamana Sabonis was a monster. He had 36, 16, and 10 with three steals. So a triple double for Damana Sabonis, shot 62% from the field. They also got 32 from Malcolm Brogdon, 32, 9, and 7. And again, Brogdon's unlikely to play or or won't play on Wednesday against the Wolves. Jeremy Lamb had 18 off the bench. Um in the last time these two teams faced each other and the wolves were, were close to full strength. No D'Angelo Russell. This was shortly after he had the knee surgery, uh, really kind of like right after he had the knee surgery, but the wolves did have Carl Anthony towns. They did have Anthony Edwards in the starting lineup and they did have Malik Beasley. He came off the bench in this one. I can't remember why I feel like it was late to a shooter on maybe is what happened, but Beasley scored 31 off the bench, made five threes in the game. Towns had 30 and 10. And, uh, that was Oh, oh, and Ricky Rubio had 20, 20 and 13 with only one turnover. So one of Rubio's best games of the season by far. Edwards shot just three of 15, though, for eight points, five rebounds, four assists, 0 of four outside the arc. So a tough game for Ant. But again, this is a game the Wolves led going to the fourth quarter, couldn't execute down the stretch and were beat easily in overtime. They ended up losing by six points in this one. The Pacers profiles the team. They're Maybe this isn't a surprise to anybody, but they're pretty middle of the pack across the board. They're 11th in defensive rating, 17th in overall net rating, and 15th in offensive rating. So literally right in the middle, 15th out of 30 teams in terms of of offensive rating. Um, Three-point shooting, 16th in attempts per game, 17th in percentage. Free throw percentage, 13th in free throw percentage league-wide. They're middle of the pack in terms of turning the ball over, how many times they turned over per game. Defensive rebounding and overall rebounding, they're actually a bottom five team. Um, They're 29th in total rebounding per game, 25th in defensive rebounding percentage, and uh, 22nd in offensive rebounding percentage. So they're one of the few teams, and I said this before the Wolves win the other night, um, they're one of the few teams the Wolves Wolves can out-rebound, and that gives them an edge in an area that they typically lose. I said that before the Sacramento game. The Wolves did out-rebound the Kings, and it mattered. Um, second chance points, the Wolves did okay there down the stretch. And that's important. Limiting second chance points for the Pacers and getting their own second chance points, especially with no Miles Turner. If Turner doesn't play and Sabonis doesn't play, he was listed out pretty early for Tuesday's game. 
I mean, the Timberwolves should win the rebounding battle, especially if they end up playing big with both Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, which is something the Wolves did against Sacramento to kind of dictate terms in that game to, to Luke Walton and the Kings, and it worked. Um, so we'll see if Finch wants to do that again to just make sure that they can dominate the glass, put Jaden McDaniels at the three, maybe put Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three. He's been rebounding the ball better this year and especially of late. So this is a matchup a depleted Pacers team that is absolutely winnable for the Timberwolves, a Timberwolves team with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. At this moment, at this recording, Russell's listed as probable to play. Uh, we know, of course, no Malik Beasley. And at this point, no Jalen Noel. They, they're ruling his, he had his ankle rolled up on the other night. They're calling it a, a, a lower leg contusion. Um, so, but still, I mean, with Russell, with Towns, with Edwards, this is a winnable game for the Timberwolves. And, uh, and it is on the road, I guess, but the Pacers have actually been much better on the road than they have been at home. Um, and they haven't played that many home games recently because of the uh, all the March Madness, the NCAA stuff. So we'll see what happens in this one, but it very well could be the Timberwolves' first two-game winning streak. Get this, first two-game winning streak since, you guessed it, they started the season 2-0 and with that December 23rd, December 26th win over Detroit, over Utah. Timberwolves were 2-0, everybody was feeling good, and uh, we all know what happened after that. But the Wolves have not won consecutive games since late December, since they started 2-0, and uh, now would be a great time to pick up a win. I mean, at Boston on Friday is going to be tough, and then back home on Sunday to take on the Bulls for actually the start of a four-game homestand, which is going to be really nice. The Wolves haven't had a four-game homestand. I guess they had one at the end of March, but I mean, still, they haven't had very many. That was their only other one this season. So um, at any rate, this should be a good game. Hopefully it'll be an entertaining game. Hopefully the Timberwolves can maybe, maybe even, I'm getting greedy now, but put it away early. I, I really think that there's a chance that that could happen on the second night of a back-to-back shorthanded Pacers team. Of course, that would require the Timberwolves to not get uh, yeah, inexplicably overconfident like they were against Houston a couple of weeks ago, or, the, or they have at times since then. Um, but th- this should be a fun game. I will have a post-game pot up following the game. So late Wednesday, leading into Thursday, that'll be Thursday's show. So be sure if you're not already following, be sure to follow Locked on Wolves on Apple, Google, Spotify. Also the all new Odyssey app, again, A-U-D-A-C-Y, the all new Odyssey app. And uh, wherever you get podcasts, be sure you're following so you get the post game pods. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all I have for you today here. Thanks for listening to Locked On Wolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And uh, today's title sponsor of the show was Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Michelob Ultra. Be sure to tune in after the game for the Locked On Wolves postgame pod. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.